Welcome to Origin Gate's daily podcast, Wisdom's Echo. This is Grant Mahoney with the thought for the day. Well, it's good to be back with you guys, and um, I just wanted to share a little bit about our journey so far. So basically, we have now finally arrived in Ireland. We're in our house. We've spent the last week unpacking and sorting out all our furniture and all that kind of stuff. And it's great to be here, and it's great to see the fulfillment of a call that we've known and a word that we've had for 21 years and to begin to see the unfolding of that, which for me is just phenomenal. But what I really wanted to talk about today is a few things that are really sitting on my mind quite heavy. As you know, one of the things that I greatly desire is to see us beginning to move with the power and the manifestation of the kingdom as the sons of God. And I think one of the keys that for me is very important is holiness. And it's something that I was talking about last night with my class on the nest. As we were doing flight school, it was the subject that I was talking about. But as I was just sharing and just pouring out my heart, I just really realized how important it is for us to have holiness and to even understand what that is. And, you know, when you look at the word, which is kadosh in the Hebrew it means to be separate, to be cut out, to be set apart, sacredness. It means a, a, a range of different things. And, and I think when I, when I look at the earth today and I begin to see the things and even, you know, I think holiness was put in place so that there was a moral um, plumb line that Yahweh could install into the earth that man could live by. And when I look at the moral standards today, even if you measure it up to my parents' day or my grandparents, how far it has eroded and how many things are acceptable that were not acceptable in those days. And what I find interesting is how much of the church is even accepting things that don't even line up with the plumb line of the word. And we, the word is not old-fashioned. The word is living and alive and full of vibrance and full of energy. And, and I think the thing is that we can't just go and say, well, no, that's only in Bible times because that's not the fact. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And He will always be like that. And so His Word is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It doesn't change. And it holds incredible power and incredible life and incredible light. And when I look at holiness, I, I realize that I am so far from that place of being holy, even though the Scripture says, be holy as I am holy. And I know that it's it's an invitation to holiness, really. It's an invitation to live a life like that. And as I begin to look at my own life, I begin to realize how far away from that particular plumb line or that particular scripture I am. But I'll be honest with you, I actually really feel encouraged that Yahweh is calling us to holiness because I believe that when we can be in that place, when we can pursue holiness, when it can be, holiness can become like a daily delight for us where we actually examine our lives, we work through our junk, we begin to refine ourselves, where humility comes back into our lives and back into um, the structures of, of Christianity, I think we're going to begin to see an emergence of the power and the manifestation of the kingdom like we've never, ever seen before. I mean, where when I look at some, and I've said this so many times, when I look at the Celtic saints and some of the miracles that they performed and some of the signs and wonders that happened with them, 
in scripture, we don't even see Jesus doing those things. And I know it says that he will do greater things than he did. But then obviously it also says in scripture that not everything that he did was recorded. So we don't really know what he did. But I obviously he was he could have done all of those things. Is um, I'm not saying that um, Jesus was any less than the Celtic saints. What I'm just trying to point out is in the records that we have, they did some phenomenal things. And I believe two of the reasons, or actually three of the reasons that they functioned the way they functioned was one was holiness. They led holy lives. They strive to be holy. The second one was um, discipline. They were very, very disciplined in their walk and in the way they functioned. And the third thing was, oh man, I can't believe I've lost my train of thought. Um, I'll get back to that as I just try and think about it. But, you know, if we just even look at discipline for, for a moment here, when, when, you, when you look at the Celtic saints and the way they lived, they were so disciplined in terms of their prayer life. They had definitely the minimum three structured times of prayer. And it was all about, it was never to be seen by other men. It was all done in secret where they would go and they would spend time with Yahweh. They would separate themselves. And even if you look at the word Monastery, which I learned from Ray Hughes, is, comes from two words, mono and stereo. And so the mono part of a monastery was you alone in your personal intimate time with Yahweh, building that intimacy with him. And the stereo is you coming together with your brothers and sisters and worshiping God. And that's where the word monastery comes from. And so the monastic lifestyle was a place of separation, but then also a place of coming together. And I, I believe that Yahweh wants that restored. He wants monastic life restored in terms of when you look at it in today's society, for me, when you look at monasteries in, in, the, in the olden days, the monastery was the center of civilization. It was where trade took place, commerce took place, prayer, learning, all kinds of things. Um, and it was very central to the way people lived. And I believe that's what Yahweh wants the church to be, or in his ecclesia, is to be central to where people work, live, and all these different types of things. But they were very disciplined. And what we've seemed to have done is we've taken discipline and we've called it religion. So now, now you don't need to pray. You don't need to wake up and do what you need to do. You don't, you don't need to have three times a prayer because that, that's just religious practice. And yes, I, I can understand that, that there, there is a place where it can become religious. And when the life is sucked out of it, then it is. It's just religion. But I think we need to start becoming disciplined again. And that's one of the things that I definitely believe that we need to start doing. The other one is, like I was saying, in holiness. And they pursue these holy lives. They, they, I mean, you can read many of their accounts. And I'm not trying to say that they were perfect because they certainly weren't. They, had, they, they weren't. They had issues just like we have issues. But they worked on their issues. They sought Yahweh's help. They understood that they needed his strength when they were weak and things like that. And we need to start doing that because when I see the power that they moved in, it transformed the world. And I was saying to these students last night on the nest, I was saying, imagine, like this is some of the things that I, I think about. Imagine like we've had probably, uh, I think we're in our seventh year on the nest. And we've probably had close to 2,000 students go through the nest. And I said, imagine all of us were functioning like St. Patrick. We were all living holy lives. We were dedicated to our you know, prayer and our intimacy with Yahweh. We were dedicated to getting together with the brethren and, and fellowship and all that kind of stuff. But then 
we were seeing the power and the evidence of the gospel and the kingdom in, in, in function. In other words, every single day there were signs and wonders and miracles because that's what the kingdom is and, and that's what happens in the kingdom of Yahweh. Imagine all of us were like that. And if you think about one man, Patrick, could convert an entire nation to come to God, that in years later it would be known as the light of the world and um, angels could be, yes, heard singing all around Ireland. It sent missionaries all over the world. Imagine that. Imagine we could all function like that. The whole earth would, would receive the glory of God within days. I reckon we could evangelize the whole earth. And, and the thing that I find so interesting about holiness is when you look at the early church, you don't see people going to the streets and doing crusades and, um, you know, going up to people and trying to get them saved and saying, say the sinner's prayer, which isn't even in the word. What, what it says in the word, it says that no one dared join them. It's because the reason no one dared join them is because of the holiness that was there. It's because no one, everyone realized the nature of their man, the nature of the beast that was within, that they couldn't measure up to the holiness, so they were afraid. But then the church just grew and grew and grew, and it was unstoppable. And, and even the, the, the Romans tried to stop it. They tried to kill people. They tried to do all kinds of things, but it couldn't, it couldn't stop. And it was just advancing all the time. And I believe one of the key reasons it was advancing was because of holiness. And the other thing that I found interesting was it was about people would come to them and say, what must I do to be born again? It wasn't like you're going on the street and preaching and trying to convince people to be saved. Because what holiness does is creates an atmosphere where it convicts the nature of man so that they come to you and say, what must I be? What must I do to be born again? And I think that's one of the things that I see lacking greatly in, in, the, in the church, in, in, in the Christian churches, is the spirit of conviction. Because there's no holiness. Because we've made so many things acceptable. Because we're, we're afraid that if we say something that's written in the Word, which is the truth, that we're going to offend this group of people or offend that group of people or offend your brother or your sister that's practicing some unholy thing that the Word says is, is an abomination or is filthy or is dirty. And we're afraid to offend people. Well, Jesus was very offensive to the current system. And, and, and you know what? Offense is not... The, the person that speaks the truth is, is not the one that has the offense. It's you that takes the offense. And so you've got stuff to deal with. And so as I look at these things and being in Ireland and being in the land where most of the greatest Celtic saints ever came from, it, it sort of like puts everything in perspective. And I... And I and I've been looking at their lives and pondering this quite a lot because there is such a burning fire in me and such a desire to begin to see the kingdom of God manifest. And as I've said before in, in a previous podcast, there's nothing that's more important to Yahweh than his kingdom. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. And, and, and that for me is just such a powerful word. When I got that revelation that he didn't say, seek Jesus, seek the Holy Spirit, he said, seek the kingdom. And that for me is such a profound statement when I, when I received that revelation and that understanding, it's opened up a new, whole new um, path that I'm on because I really, really want to understand what is this kingdom that Yahweh wants to see. And as I've said before, I believe it's only ever manifested itself twice. And one was with Solomon through wealth and the other was through the Celtic saints through power. And, and when I'm talking power, I'm not talking about the odd little healing here and there. I'm talking power that transformed nations. And so 
I'm really, really excited about where we're going. And I want to encourage you that as you look at this journey, I was saying to the guys last night, you know, there's always three sides to a story. There's your truth, there's the other person's truth, and then there's the real truth that sits in the middle. And we all have our views and our opinions and all kinds of stuff. And so my truth to me is real. Your truth to you is real. But then there's the real truth. And so we have so many... um, I guess, conflicting messages within the body of Christ where one would say, this is what scripture says. Another would say, well, this is how we interpret it. And you know what? It's not about your interpretation. It's about what's written. And if the word says something is wrong, it's wrong. And for me, I've been accused of this, but I'm actually quite happy to be accused of this, that I'm a fundamentalist. And what a fundamentalist is, is someone who believes the truth and won't shift from it. In other words, When I read the Bible, it's black and white. There's no color in the Bible. It's black and white. It's true or it's false. It's like um, when the priest in the breastplate had the the Urim and the Thurim, it was a yes and no stone. And when they inquired of God, the answer was yes or no. It wasn't maybe, or this could be taken this way or that way, or this is how you should interpret it. It was just yes or no. And I believe that I am a fundamentalist. And for me, that means I want to walk according to the plumb line of the truth. I don't ever want to hurt anyone. That's never my intention. But the truth is the truth. And when you can grasp that and when you can lay down your truth, lay down your belief for the sake of the truth, then I think we're going to see a massive shifts and changes. And I really think we've got to get back to some of the basics because a lot of us are asking, well, what are the keys for now? And what are the keys for this? And what are the keys for that? I don't think there's new keys. I really believe they're ancient keys. It's the ancient path. It's going through the narrow gate, walking the narrow road. That's what it's all about. It's about carrying your cross daily. It's about all those kind of things. And most of the Christian church doesn't want to hear about suffering or pain because, oh, no, we're born again. We don't need to do that kind of stuff. Well, tell that to Paul. Tell that to the Apostle John. Tell it to those people, you know, those that went through all that stuff. Because if Christ suffered, who do we think that we... Who do you think we are that we're not going to suffer? And so I, I really want to encourage you, start pursuing God. Start leading a disciplined life. Start asking God to reveal what is holiness to you and how do I live a holy life? Because I'll be honest, pretty much all of us are so far from being holy that it's it's actually quite scary. But I want to be holy. I don't know how to be holy. I'm starting to study it. I'm desiring it. I'm asking God to teach me. I'm asking him to reveal to me the weaknesses and the, and the places that I have in my life where I need to work on so that I can become that holy being because I want to be like my father. And when he says, be holy because I am holy or as I am holy, we need to be that. And so I really just want to encourage you to pursue holiness. And I just want to say, have an amazing week and thank you for listening to me and God bless you. Amen.